0: Today, I'm talking to Stacy Chadwick with Sotheby's International Realty, just south of Denver in Castle Pines, Colorado. Stacy was first a commercial real estate broker, then a stay-at-home mom of three for 17 years. And then she started sensing it. It was time to get back to work or get out and do something. Her world had been about everybody else. And then that moment came, and she knew it was time. It was that all-too-real-raw moment that all of us moms can relate to and that she shares in her interview today. We talk about how she launched her career, the challenges as well as the pleasant surprises, and how she went from zero to 65 million in less than three years. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf Podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, everybody. It's the Jerry Metcalf Podcast, where real estate agents, top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today on the show, from denver or just south of denver castle pines colorado is stacy chadwick with live sotheby's international Realty. stacy thanks for coming on thank you for having me so stacy like just to sum it up everybody you've been in business since what 2019
1: yes i joined in march of 2019.
0: your first year was amazing you did and I'm not done yet, everybody. But this is just the beginning. You did four million, and then you did 27 million, and now you're doing 26 million,
1: it's 65 million. This I mean, year. oh
0: my gosh, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> Sorry, y'all.
0: Yes, thank you. Four million, 27 million, and then 65 million in 2020. I mean, that is unbelievable. So, all that said, how and why in the world did you get into the business of being
1: a residential real estate agent? Well. My first career was commercial real estate in Chicago. I was a tenant rep broker um, for about 12 years. And my husband and I started having children. We had one, we had another, both of us were working traveling and we wanted a third and we knew that it wasn't really sustainable to have two people traveling all over the world and raising kids because you know, we wanted to be there for our kids. So we kind of made a life decision and I stopped working and I loved my career. I loved commercial real estate, loved wow. the people, loved everything. I love, 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 loved it. But I also loved our children. So we made a lifestyle decision to move to Colorado because he's a native. And I stopped working to raise the kids. And wow. when we moved here, they were a newborn one in three. And now they're 17, 19 and 21. So I started thinking about doing something you know, going back into the workforce when they started driving and started not needing me as much. And, you know, maybe we all need more space from teenagers. Right. Um, And that's when I made the decision to go back. And then I went back, you know, almost three years ago. And here I am. And I chose residential over commercial simply because my sphere was all the people I knew in my neighborhood for the 17 years that we've lived here. So it just made more sense rather than going backwards to kind of work or with the people I know and go forward just into a different space.
0: That's amazing. And commercial tenant rep, was it like office tenant rep?
1: It was. It was office tenant rep. It was multinational tenant rep. So when I was traveling, I was traveling 100,000 miles all over the world. And my husband was traveling all over the country. You know, we just weren't around and it wasn't the way we wanted to ground our children. So I stepped out.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And you went from Chicago to the suburbs of Denver, Colorado. Correct. I mean, like what a change. So you're good with change.
1: You know, I'll be honest with you. I got a lot of my self-satisfaction out of my career and to go from having a really big job to being a full-time mom was really hard. Um, It took me about a year to adjust because, you know, all that external, whatever you get from your clients and the things you do, it just disappeared, and you know, I went from living kind of a very urban life where we walked everywhere—from the pediatrician to Whole Foods to our favorite restaurants—to buying a big Yukon XL and driving everywhere. So it was a transition. It didn't happen overnight, but once it did, you know, I was all in to be a full-time mom. But it, I mean, it was, you, it was hard
0: because there's there's also for all the moms and for everybody. Like when you're looking at your life and success, this is relevant, but especially for the women listening. And I've talked to a lot of moms being an agent where they're like, you know, stepping out of my job was one of the most challenging things I ever did because you lose your identity. You lose some sense of control. You lose yes. like purpose. I always said, I don't know, minor are 10 and 11. I don't know if I have what it takes to actually do that because it's a challenge. Like, and then dealing with change and
1: uncertainty. So did you have your moment where you're like, what the heck have I done? Or I did. I mean, I had many moments like that and you know, when we moved here, my husband still traveled a lot. So it was me and my three kids and it, you know, and they're all 22 months apart. So it was, you know, always go, 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 go. But once I got into the groove of that, I just took what I was channeling into my career and channeled it right into my kids, you know, so, and I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it was the right time to step out and, you know, give them everything that I could. So it was great so you did that that was how many what was that uh,
0: 15 years Mm -hmm. for 15 years yeah so about 15 years later is 2019 and Mm -hmm. you say this is getting really relevant to everybody listening but like hey i'm gonna be a real estate agent so just because we didn't talk about this before we recorded we've got people listening to the show who are thinking about it people have been doing it for more than 20 30 40 years and broker owners and doing a couple hundred million a year Mm -hmm. and all or more Um, so, but that being said, what, like,
1: what was the catalyst? Yeah. I, it's, it's, this is my husband's not going to like me telling the story, but it's true. (laughs) He was the vice chancellor for CU, um, University of Colorado. And that's a big job with a lot of events. And we were at this event and I was kind of standing behind him and he forgot to introduce me to all the people in front of him. And I felt really invisible. I did. I felt bad. And I said to myself in that moment, it's time for me to go do something for myself. You know, I've been channeling so much of who I am to other people that it's time for me to go back to what I love. And I've, my dad was a builder. You know, my my aunt was the top realtor in Augusta, Georgia. It's, it's truly in my blood. Yeah. Her name's Boots yeah. Holden. Boots What's Holden. Yeah. Her name. She's long retired. She's in her. Wait, 80s say it now.
0: again, though. I keep not Boots, getting it. Boots. B o o
1: t s. Holden. H o l d
0: e n. I mean, Every for those of you who don't know, most people do. That is where ma- the Masters is every year. Uh-huh. I mean,
1: Augusta. That is like true Georgia. Yeah. True Southern. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: yeah. is so cool.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I did. I just. It was a. It was a moment. It was literally a moment. Where I knew I had to change something and kind of regain that identity that I'd given up. And, and very gladly, willfully, happily so. But it was time for version 3.0 and that was the catalyst. And then I was working for Live and I kind of leveraged my commercial real estate experience because you know at Sotheby's, as a new agent, you generally don't get hired. So I leveraged what I had done in commercial and convinced them to hire me and just take a chance. Yeah. And, you know, here we are. So,
0: and here we are from yeah. like nothing to 65 million in basically three years. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, you that is what a, because all like what woman cannot relate to that? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we could go on about the woman thing, but we don't have time. But I mean, I like totally get it. So, that moment you decide, Hey, it's time for me to recreate myself. And it was like, talk about timing, talk about kind of a divine intervention thing, because it was kind of like this little knock, like, Hey, you time, time to do something new. time to change yeah.
1: yeah. And I'm a big believer that small decisions, big decisions. I mean, you, I altered the course of my life by making that decision, you know, and, and altered the course of my family's life by making that decision. So I'm glad I did. It's been yeah. crazy, but it's been so much fun so far.
0: So breaking in, you went from, you know, mom Mm -hmm. to, of course you were a former big broker, but it's been 15 years mom to how'd you break in, break in like those beginning days, what they look and feel like, and how did you really make, get that
1: traction? I think, especially for men or women, but especially women thinking about coming back the first year was, I was drinking out of a fire hose. Sotheby's has so many resources Um, so many systems, you know, even just getting understanding MLS, right. And how to run a search. I mean, I hadn't done any of it. So the whole first year was largely me trying to figure out what I was doing and then maybe looking into some transactions here and there, you know, because there I, I'm a, I only work with my sphere and referrals. I'm a big believer in Ninja and I'm a big believer in working with your sphere period everything I've done with the exception of some, you know, I've lucked into some people calling me whatever they see my listings, but the large majority of what I've done has been my sphere and referrals from my sphere. And, um, I'm a big marketer. I'm a writer. I have a decent social media presence. So I just started promoting myself, you know, hopefully not in a way that was, you know, self, I don't know. Apparently you did okay. Right. But just, and really kind of leveraging that old experience as a commercial broker saying, Hey, are you I can going? bring something different to the table and then not being afraid to ask my friends for business. I know that's a controversial thing for people. Some people yeah. really don't like to work with friends. I work with all my friends and I work with my friend's friends and I work with their neighbors. You know, I am always, I'm always in a very, under current way asking for business largely because yeah. I'm really focused on relationships. You know, I never come to say someone and say, can I sell your house? You Same know, for. I get to know someone and then the relationship takes off from there.
0: So talking about that, that a couple of things, there's the the angle or just the understanding of, you know, yes, you had this awesome superpower career. Yes. You basically raised three children with a, a lot on you because of the travel of your husband and yes, you made that huge change. So obviously you've got kind of the grit to make it happen. But as you go into it, I mean, two things. How did you make sure, because you can have all the connections in the world, but a lot, I know a lot of people, a lot of connections, they can't figure out how to leverage them. You did that and going into that, that means you know how to ask friends in a non-gross way yeah. for business.
1: Yeah. No, in a way that doesn't feel, yeah. How do you do it? I'll tell you, I had a little bit, I think of a lucky thing happened with my first listing. Um, I play a lot of tennis. I had just, and I, so I'm always reaching out, wishing people happy birthday. How can I help you? How can I, I'm a connector, right? Do you, you know, I just love connecting people. So I'd reached out to this person, wished her a happy birthday. And then a week later, somehow I heard that they were going to put their house on the market. Um, at this point, I didn't even have the confidence yet to pitch it by myself. It was an almost $3 million listing, architecturally significant home in my neighborhood. So I felt like, you know, I'm going to bring one of our top producing agents with me, make sure I do this the right way. And we won the work. Well, I didn't have any other listings. And so I channeled every ounce of energy I had into promoting that one. And it had a really interesting backstory. It's... um a really modern home in a neighborhood that doesn't really fit that mold. And the people who bought it bought the shell of the house. Roof was there, windows, but no interior work had been done. The developer owner had died while he was building this house. It sat, vacant it for 10 years, then they bought it, finished it off. So the backstory of the developer was fascinating. They were fascinating. So I wrote a press release because I'm an English literature major. My first job was in PR and I submitted it to live Sotheby's. I'm like, can you help me promote this? They took it to the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal picked it up. This house, you know, first the first listing, my That's first incredible. listing yeah, yeah. Was, was voted third place home of the year in the Wall Street Journal. I was quoted in the journal. So then I would leverage that with other high end listings and just continue to build. But that first listing, I mean, there was some definite luck that Accompanied that. And that's kind of what set everything in motion.
0: You call it luck, but (laughs) how many people have opportunities that they just don't harness since they just weren't lucky? So I
1: don't, yeah. And I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, I do think that whole luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I do believe in that. But there was something going on there, I think, in a, you know, I don't know. I I worked really hard to promote that listing in creative ways. And I think that then helped other people gain confidence in me who maybe knew me as, you know, the volunteer at the swim meet and the person, you know, cause I always did, that's, right. Yeah. As a full-time mom, I always was involved in everything, but gave them the confidence to maybe make the leap that I could be someone who could represent them. So,
0: and that's the big question for a lot of people when you're, you know, when you've got this great sphere of influence, it can work against you because you're the mom or you're the volunteer or you're the kid that who you're the, you're the, you're the kid of somebody as opposed to back to the whole point of this was who you are. Yeah. So leveraging that and le- so talking about that, you were great at marketing and you knew it. You were great at writing and you knew it and you were good at just getting exposure and PR and social media. You took those things and leveraged them with a listing. The other thing we talked about was you connected, you used birthdays, I mean, really, birthdays—what a great excuse to connect. So, use birthdays. You tell happy people people happy birthday because that's what you do anyway. And you play tennis. So that's pulling all of these people together. And the biggest thing that I'm reiterating, so everybody hears it, just from interviewing so many people, but you had a big opportunity, but you knew to partner. And by the way, you partnered the right way. Yeah. You was your you had somebody partnered as you know your anchor or your mm-hmm. back or your credibility. I did. But you didn't not harness the opportunity to write, to use, go back to your network and your skills and who you know and what you do. You still had that was what sold that listing and you made sure of it.
1: Yeah. And it was, and I knew it was the right thing. On my first three listings, I partnered on every single one of them because I just, you know, I, I wasn't a legacy 30, 20 year, 10 year realtor. And what I did before was different, you know, commercial tenant rep work, you know, from your husband. There's some commonalities, but there's a lot of differences too. So, I definitely feel like I always put my clients' best interests first. And nobody I work with thinks of me as someone who just wants to close a transaction. I mean, I'll walk. I mean, I'll, I'll advise a buyer not to buy a house and a seller not to sell a house if I don't think it's right for them. You know, because I really care about the people, and then the transactions follow that. They do. Isn't it amazing when you do business that way, how you end up just doing that much more business? Yeah, I think because people think that you're genuine and they think that you're trustworthy. Yeah. And they think that you have their best interests in heart at heart, not your best interests. So, um, you know, that's my philosophy, just to try to build the relationship and not work towards the deal.
0: So, first year. Yeah, uh, by the way, not to work work I always say this, it's about the focus is them and serving your client, not quote the deal. Right. Did you find in going from commercial to residential, was it like this is more emotional or what were the biggest differences? Definitely
1: the emotion. In commercial, you know, first of all, I mean, it's, you know, my clients, in some ways my client base is the same because my clients were CEOs, business owners, CFOs, same client base, right? Same person, who I'm friends with selling houses for, but it's commercially, real estate is not an emotional business. If you don't get the office space that you want, you go to plan B and you don't even think twice about it. You know, residential is all emotion. I mean, it's managing people and relationships and fear and mitigating, you know, potential landmines, you know, because this is, as you know, generally a person's largest asset or one of their largest assets is their home. So the emotional piece was a big difference. And then, the, and then the hours, you know, again, commercials, largely nine to five, five days a week. And residential is anything but that. So, you know, I give a lot more of myself, I think, in residential than I did in commercial. And that was a bit of a surprise because I just hadn't been exposed to the residential, you know, brokerage side.
0: Yeah. So being married to a commercial agent, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Funny, But yeah, so going from, and that is, I think, like, one of the biggest things that, for me, breaking through in my business was understanding how to mitigate this, these emotions and fears and, and understanding how to communicate, especially I started so young. Yeah. But for you, what, like, when you came into it, you're, was it like, in commercial, it's just numbers. It's, it's it's. Do you have a story of like when you realize, hey, this is emotional, and this is how I'm going to have to. Any like thing you figured out, okay, how to handle things better, or get them through better, or get people in that place where they you can diffuse all of those emotions that can get in the way, or like yeah, you I said, think, mitigate landmine.
1: No, I don't really have that horror story. Knock on wood, not yet. Um, but I'm a huge communicator. I always try to be ahead of what someone's going to ask me. You know, so I feel like if I'm reaching out to you as my client before you're reaching out to me, then I'm going to be able to diffuse just about anything that comes down the road because I'm the one who's, you know, for lack of a better word, managing the communication process, right? The worst thing that can happen is a client reaches out to me with something I don't know. So I'm always circling wagons, whether it's new development, is it going to be delivered on time? I'm reaching out to the developer. Hey, is this going to happen? Cause if it's not, I got to put out this fire. Right. So I'm an over communicator. I mean, you're going to hear from me maybe more than you want to, but if you're my client, you're not going to have, I'm not going to say any surprises cause there's always a surprise, but you're going to have, I think a lot less. Um, because yeah. I just, I'm always reaching out, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, How was your Thanksgiving? Hey, did you meet with a designer to pick out your tile? You know, everything from A to Z. Can we have coffee? And that's another thing I do, you know, except for during COVID, I do try to personally touch about 50 people a week, whether it's walking with people, whether it's drinks, whether it's going to a party, you know, because, again, my client base is my sphere, so if I can touch 50 people, well, those 50 people may not need something, but one person's neighbor might need something. So because I saw them, they're going to say, Hey, you should call Alex, because I think he just got a job transfer to Seattle." Yeah. you know, we personally touch how many people a week, 50. Mm-hmm. And that's a ninja thing. That's a ninja, yeah. you know, try to see and not talk about real estate because the real estate comes up to me. I'm just talking yeah. about your family, what you're doing for vacation, and then a hundred out of a hundred times, the person I'm talking to will say, How's the market? What's happening? I mean, I don't I don't have to initiate any of that because real estate is such a hot topic right now. It just comes my way.
0: As long as they know you're a real estate agent. As is, long as they know, which, which is they pretty, do. <laughs> which is pretty easy to do. So yeah. 50 people a week, you're touching. And mm-hmm. we had to pause and edit everybody for a minute. So you said I would, the last thing I would say is asking for the referral. I mean, you just like, right, exactly. But Give us a little bit about that, what you mean by that.
1: I was just saying the last thing I would say is, do you want to sell your house? Unless something is so pointed because I get a referral because someone is selling their house and they know I'm calling for that reason. But I never ask to represent someone. I just talk to people, you know, and ask them about themselves and their lives. And I, I establish that personal connection because that's actually what I'm really interested in, right? I'm interested in knowing who you are, where you came from, where you're going, and you're going to work your way around to real estate at some point. Cause you know what I do because I always talk into my sphere. So the last thing I would say to someone is, do you want to sell your house? Can I sell your house? It just, it feels artificial. It is artificial and it's not the way to build relationships and win work. In my exactly. opinion, in
0: my opinion. Evan, think about all of the training that tells you to do that. So yeah. for all of those who have heard that over and over and that that's what they have to do, help them by saying, okay, so if you're not asking for it, how do you, because earlier you said, don't be afraid to ask for the business. I, of course, I know what you mean and a lot of people know what you mean, but a lot of people don't.
1: Well, so the way, so I'm kind of of two minds, if I'm with you personally, and we're having a conversation like we are right now, there's no way I'm going to say, can I sell your house? However, I do self promote, right? So all my listings, I do, you know, fun pictures at listings where I'm either shoveling a driveway or I'm, you know, rolling up a shade or I'm cleaning a table because I do I mean, I'm a detail oriented person. I want people to know I'm going to get very granular, you know, with you. So I'm always pushing myself out there from a promotion standpoint, but when it comes to that relationship and you and I are one in one-on-one, you've already seen all my stuff on social media because you're part you're of my sphere, ask. right? And I'm working with my sphere. And so I'm focused on you as a person. And then if, and when a transaction is supposed to present itself, it will, because you'll tell me, Hey, I'm thinking of selling my house because we might move to see out. Actually, right?
0: really will happen. Yeah, exactly. A lot no, I don't believe it. They're no, really- it
1: does, and it's just I don't. You know, I don't know if you've had anyone from Ninja on here, but we that, are, yeah. that process it works, and it's all yeah. about relationships, and not at all about. But that's what it
0: that that. But that's yeah. like actually what it's about, right? Like that's actually like here's the thing: real estate agents actually all have value. Like there's so much value that we offer that we don't have to go, we don't have to go like, what is it? Force ourselves between a person and a deal to get the commission and like right. catch it.
1: Right. We offer more value than that. Yes.
0: And I think a lot of this old training, there's this belief in there that that's what you have to do to get it. And you just don't. There's no, so but I, so much
1: I of- Do you believe in protecting your fee? I mean, I. Oh,
0: absolutely. I, oh no, that's what, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly.
1: Yeah, so much. So I'm so protective of my fee and I back it up with my expertise. And then the live Sotheby's brand, the Sotheby's brand that I'm actually known as someone who will not discount. And I love that because that means I'm not getting the calls from the people who want to pay the 1%. They're just not going to call me. Well, they're not going to
0: value you or be very nice to work with either. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So and for
0: some people, like some people go to Walmart and some people go to Saks. Right. Because, and then you get what you pay for. And that's the truth. That's not a, that's not a dig. That's nothing that that's just reality. So I
1: agree a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. All right. So now moving on in your career, tell us So first year we've hung really a lot on that first year you went in, we know you're, we kind of know what happened and 4 million in your first year is not bad. <laughs> it's, so, yeah. You- I, mean,
1: I, w- I was not unhappy with that number. I was like, great. That's great. I had, I had no expectations. I really didn't. You know, I did it to regain my identity and, you know, finish out the kids college funds. I mean, I didn't come into it saying I have this goal at year one, year two, year three. You know, I really I just wanted to go to version 3.0 and start doing something more for myself again. So
0: so four million in your first year to 20, 20, I keep forgetting, 25 million, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Or 25, 27. 67. 27, yeah. 27,
1: my second. And 27, then the
0: 65. 65. So how did you get four in your first year? And how did you jump to 27? And to, what's your advice to people who want to break in
1: and or just grow their business? And then we're going um, to talk about getting to 65 and what the differences were. You know, I think I got to tell you, I think my social media presence helped. My very first transaction was a friend. She had already chosen her condo. She just wanted someone to do the deal. I felt comfortable with that. That was on the buy side because I'd done so many leases, so many purchase agreements and commercial, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: my first listing was the one I told you about. Um, that didn't close the first year. I had a relative's aunt's daughter hire me you know, to help them buy a home. I mean, everything really came organically through either someone I knew or someone who knew someone that i knew and and really a lot of my social media work and the people i'm connected to in that realm was what brought people to me and then so, i continued so-, so then i started leveraging my listings because i started to get some significant listings and i think during covid i don't know maybe i was carrying about 10 million in listings at that time and then april hit and we came out of covid and it just things started raining down on me, you know, because people were making life-changing decisions, right? Life-changing decisions that maybe they wouldn't have made without COVID. And Colorado's, you know, a destination state. We have a net thousand people a day who are moving here. And I happen to live in an area that really feels like you're on vacation. It feels like the mountains, but you know, you're a 30 minute drive from downtown. Um, You have all the amenities you want around you. So something about the combination of my community, the listings I had, the timing, the way I put myself out there, because I am assertive. I like to use the word aggressive. I think aggressive has a negative connotation with women. So I'm going to say assertive. I am assertive. Um, I go for things, you know, I do. Um, But in a way that's not gross, you know, and yeah, just doesn't feel like you're
0: not afraid you're not you know your value and you're not it's 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 a
1: disservice to not offer your value to people if you can help them yeah so you know what happened because I'm sure it happened in Atlanta the world opened up with COVID and and then my business just took off to a different level you know it it, and then I just
0: opportunity meets preparation it was that kind of thing too I mean you know Yeah. yeah
1: and 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 just I don't know. And, and then timing. I mean, who knew this market was going to happen? Who knew this was what is happening right now? I mean, no one could have predicted it two years ago. So mm-hmm. that was a big piece of it. So I think there were a lot of just, you know, always following my process. I write two personal notes a day. You know, that's a ninja thing, right? Um, some, I, I fell off of it a little bit this year when things got really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, big ninja thing is gratitude. Just waking up in the morning oh, yeah. and starting your day saying, I know I've got this crazy day and I'm going to work until 10 o'clock tonight ahead of me, but what am I grateful for? Right. And just kind of grounding yourself in the moment. So, those personal notes, gratitude, touching people, social media. Um, I'm at, so I don't know how this is in every state, but in Colorado, as a listing agent, you don't have to be at your listings. You don't. And where in Chicago, residential agents were always at their listings here. You don't have to be, yeah. but for my significant listings, I'm there, you know, yeah. and I'm selling the house, I'm selling the neighborhood. I would pick up buyers, you know, just from being there. Exactly. Right? And, exactly. and, and, and I think you probably share this. I'm incredibly passionate about what I do. I love what I do and I love the people I work with and I can't help, but be excited. Like, and, and if you're not excited in your job, I would say, go get a different job because life is short. And if I'm spending 80 hours a week working, I better love it. You that's better. A lot, that's a lot of hours, you know? You,
0: yeah. You say, but love what you do or do something else.
1: Yeah. No, just go do something else. Cause you can get a job by throwing a dart at a dartboard right now. So go <laughs> get a different job. If you don't love what you do It's not worth it. You know,
0: social media work. You can't. You've said that I bet four or five times and I have great social media, great social media, great social media. Tell us what great social media, like what is that? How do we, how do we create that for ourselves?
1: So as a Sotheby's agent, anytime I have a new listing, not only am I putting it out to my sphere, I'm putting it into the live Sotheby's world and I'm putting it into the Sotheby's world because I'm trying to connect with Sotheby's agents for referrals. So, you know, like on Facebook, we have, a Sotheby's Facebook page. I don't know. Maybe there's 5,000 Sotheby's agents. Yeah. Every new listing I have, I take the time to put there be, and and I've just started to get referrals. I mean, just literally in the past few months and I haven't gone to um, G&E or any of that stuff yet. I just haven't, I haven't had time.
0: Forget I, the plane ticket. Just put it on the Sotheby's page. Yeah. I got it. I'm
1: killed, no, but it really. Sotheby's is like, thanks a lot. Thanks a yeah. lot. Yeah. And <laughs> then we have, um, we have coming soon in the Colorado brokerage community that connects me with non-live Sotheby's brokers. So I'm marketing. I mean, you got to market to agents, right? Having the relationships that I'm building with agents are critical to me being successful because I want to be that agent that someone sees and says, oh yeah, I want to work with Stacey." You know, I see what she puts out there. I see what her attitude is, her spirit is. So to me, an agent on the other side can make or break my client's experience, because if we're not working well together after we're, you know, in our separate corners, representing our clients, if we can't come together and make a deal happen, what's, you know, that's what's where well, you can't do your job. Right. I mean, you can't do your job. So, so I'm marketing to Sotheby's agents. I'm marketing to live agents. I'm marketing to compass agents and Remax agents and Berkshire Hath- Hathaway agents. And I'm marketing to my sphere. So everything I do, I'm trying to hit different audiences because they're all important for different reasons. Exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. When you being in the, I mean, I'm still going like 4 million. I don't care if it was COVID or not. That was amazing. <laughs> 4 million to 25 million. To, I mean, 27 million to 20 65 y'all. I apologize. 4 million, 25, <laughs> it's late 4, 27, 65. The numbers mm-hmm. have got me 4 million, 27 million and 65 million. How do you, I want to go into two things and then when we are going to get into our final three, because we've already been talking for a while, but how do you manage? So, so number one, everybody you've talked about, Stacy's talked about, it's all about ha, ha, knowing what you're good at and leveraging those gifts and doing your best with them. Number two, it's all about your relationships and building them. And number three, oh, by the way, while you're doing all that, be sure you love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So because indeed, this, you know, this business will eat you alive if you don't love it. I mean, this was this truth be told. It was a very financially successful year for me, but it was a hard year. You know, when you have this kind of spigot that's open, you're not going to say no. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't really have the infrastructure to support there was a, the work yeah. I was doing. And so I just did it all largely at a part time assistant. And that was helpful. I, she started in January. But by the time I got a part-time assistant, what I didn't know is what I really needed was a full-time assistant. But you don't know what you don't know, right? So, um, yeah, and we had this really interesting speaker. Liv does a good job of having kind of help you, you know, leadership people come and talk to us. Anyway, she said, okay, what do you think the opposite of play is? What's the opposite of play? What word comes to mind? Opposite of play is, that was Liz Bentley. Was it okay? So, you know what I'm talking about? It hit right. me. Right. The opposite you of think play is, work? is misery, you think it's but work? Most,
0: people, most people say work. Work. One of my but team members work.
1: And I was like, my friend, work is yeah. play. No, but I, I, it's, the reason it yeah. struck me was because I was in this like major production zone and I wasn't seeing my kids or my family. I wasn't getting outside. I wasn't playing tennis. I wasn't doing anything. I was just working. And <clears throat> as great as the year was, there were moments that were really hard, you know, Mm -hmm. because I was not balanced and I wouldn't give up this year for anything, but next year I'm going to change it up, you know, and I'm going to have more support and I am going to force myself to take more time off because if you're doing all this great work, but you're not enjoying it, then you're just working, you know, and that's not why any of us are doing this, you know? So anyway,
0: make sure it was Bentley. So it
1: was a Sotheby's thing. It was Liz Bentley. Yeah.
0: I remember that because I didn't hear it. So I asked the team because I couldn't be there. I had to be doing, I was doing something at an appointment or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, they all told me, and then we, anyway, we
1: had fun with, we had fun with that question, but what a
0: brilliant question.
1: Yeah. And it really, it just hit me at a time when I was working way too much. And I said to myself, I gotta, I gotta figure this out for 2022 and I gotta get some more balance Mm -hmm. because What I'm doing right now is not sustainable for career version 3.0. It's sustainable for a year, but it's really not sustainable beyond that. So that is what I'm working toward for next year. I want big production, but I'm, I'm sharing that load, you know, and I'm paying to share for that load because I, I do want to go for a hike and I do want to go to Florida and I do want to do the things, you know, that we're working for, you know, which is to enjoy our life too. So.
0: Anyway, and it's funny how, when you get happier, we had an interview this, the one before yours actually. And she said, um, you know, be sure you have fun because you really can't sell much when you're, once you, if you if you, if you're not happy, you're not, it's not going to happen. People don't buy
1: from unhappy people. It's, it doesn't go well. It gets harder. Yeah. And, and so it's been such a growth curve for me for the past three years that I finally feel like I'm kind of catching up to myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I take a breath. And, you know, for next year, I'm, I want to do as well as I can, but I'm going to leverage. I'm going to rest. I'm going to play. And I'm going to continue to have fun working because I do love what I do. I really do. I do.
0: That's awesome. Having the foresight to what you're doing to understand. Sometimes when success is, when just the high sales is the only goal, mm-hmm well, I had to work really hard and not sleep to get them. So I'll just do more of that to get further, which you don't yeah. get there. You don't get to the next level the same way you got to the one where you are. Yeah. So it's counterproductive. So the funny thing is listening to you and what you're doing and looking at infrastructure, not doing more of what I'm doing. The same way. That's going to grow your business even more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to grow it if it if it can grow. I mean, I think this is a banner year for a lot of people. I look at this year for a lot of people in bees and like, how could anyone do more than this year because it was just, you know, this confluence of pretty awesome circumstances for people like you and me. Um, yeah, but I'm going to do it better next year, whatever that number is. I'm going to do it in a more rounded way, which is, I think important. I do. And it's it's actually
0: a service to your clients too. Absolutely.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So for somebody going into business, what is your biggest advice on breaking in and growing if their goal is to break in successfully and just take off and launch the way you did, what's your advice on that? And then we're going to do a final three questions to you, by the way. But what first, your advice there.
1: You know, I came at this a little differently because I did have this whole commercial career that really gave me a lot of confidence. You know, I never even when I stepped out of the workforce, I never lost what I did, right? Like the impressions, the lessons the knowledge base. So for me, breaking into residential, I did feel like I had a little bit of a leg up because I did leverage that, you know, and and really, and your husband will attest to this, probably the biggest, for me, the best quality I had as a commercial broker was the ability to negotiate, right? I love negotiating. And negotiating is about confidence. It's about telling someone no, right? Just no. And so, because commercial real estate that was such a big piece of what I did, I think I was able to differentiate myself a little bit in those early meetings with people and say, "I'm going to negotiate. If I can get you a thousand dollars, I'm going to get that thousand dollars. And if I can get you a hundred thousand, I'm definitely getting you that. But I I do love to negotiate, and I I tried to set myself apart that way because. I don't know. I never ran into Sotheby's realtors in Chicago. I just, my experience with residential realtors in Chicago, everyone that I met wasn't that great. So I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder coming from commercial thinking, Oh, commercial is so much more professional, so much more educated, blah, blah, blah. And then I joined Sotheby's and I'm looking around going, wow. Okay. You know, like these people are sharp and they're smart and they're successful. So I think if you can find that differentiator that gives you the confidence to ask, you know, either ask for the work if you're in listing presentation or be confident enough to tell your friends, hey, I'm a realtor, think about me. And again, I don't do it that way, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think you need, think you need to create some kind of story for yourself. I mean, you need to create your own story because why would someone hire someone with no experience over someone with 20 years of experience? Why? I, I said, I, I I am coming at this completely differently than everyone else you've worked for. And these are the reasons why, mm. you know, so. I've like
0: watch David and Goliath, the TED Talk by Seth Godin a few times, because that's exactly what it is. But mm-hmm. just to, to wrap up or sum up that, what you just said, it's number one, know your strengths and leverage them and yeah. have a story around it. So people yeah. will remember it, be confident, have that confidence, find what you're good at to pull confidence from from that.
1: Right. Faking it doesn't really usually, it's usually I've good. never liked that term, fake it till you make it. I yeah, just don't believe it. It's, it's not, it's plastic. You can't fake something and, and feel you, genuine. It's fake, is fake it. right? Like so they'll find the story, why, you know, there's a reason why I, it can be an emotional story. Like a woman in our firm, you know, she got divorced and she had to make money and she had to raise her kids And that was her story and she's smart and efficient and believable and good at what she does. Her story had nothing to do with negotiating, but her story was real and people work with people they like and people wanted to help her. And then she became this big blockbuster realtor, but that was how she differentiated herself. You know,
0: awesome. Leverage, leverage, know your strengths, leverage them with a story Yeah. Yeah, or that's one way to do it. Right. Be confident, pull know your strengths again and pull your confidence from that. And number three, like I'm um, be aggressive and not in that, you know, yucky, but in that I'm here to serve you and I'm not going, like I always say, tell, tell agents on my team, don't let, don't let your clients miss out on you. Don't let your prospects miss out on what you have to offer. Go right. after it.
1: Yeah. And I do think it's a fine line because I am aggressive, but i I am not that person at a party going from, you know, drink to drink saying, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? It's, it's, it's a little more esoteric, I think, you know, like there's a fine line, but I am, I'm out there and people know I'm out there. And then, especially through social media, I do a full page ad in our Castle Pines newspaper. It goes to about 15,000 people. Um, It is a newspaper that people read because it's full of community news, you know, it's a great paper. I I mean, I do, it's a brag sheet for me. I'm putting my listing. So it's a balance between pushing yourself out there, but when you're with people, like they know that you're with them. Right. And, and it's kind of a delicate, fine line, but I, I kind of do, I do both, you know, I, I push aggressively from a marketing standpoint, but when I'm with you, we're having a cocktail and we're talking about your sister-in-law who you can't stand. And I don't know how I feel about Thanksgiving and, you know, blah, blah. You know, we are real with each other. And if a transaction comes up, it does. You know, if it doesn't, it doesn't. We're still going to go have cocktails again, you know, a couple months from now, or I'm going to see you at a party. But I'm solely focused on you as a person when we're together this way. That's it. Love
0: that. All right. The final three questions. Okay. Number one, what do you think has been your biggest
1: resource in your success? Resource within, you mean from my company or from, or I love internal it or be, Most people
0: just answer that question because it's kind of a trick question. So I oh, love it is? It. Okay. I'm always like, I'm always waiting for that. And then they just have it. So anyway, for some people, it might be their CRM. For some people, it might be something that they do. For, for mine, it's the way I used to bring people together to, that, that, Brought business my way. That was really probably mine, if you asked me.
1: I Um, think it could be anything. If if I had to say what's the one biggest thing, it's it's that I'm a people person and I'm relationship driven. I'm a communicator. Communicator. You're an
0: over-communicator. I'm
1: an over-communicator. I just love people. I mean, I if I love putting divorced people together and seeing if like they click. I love recommending my dentist to the person who just moved in. I mean, this is like forget about real estate. Yeah. I love connecting people. I love, love I love it.
0: Your love. Of, yeah, you're, you're a matchmaker. That's yeah, that's so what it's my communication because
1: and I'm always asking questions like, who are you? How are you? Where are you from? I just had, you know, I get I get some pretty great leads from my listings, and I had a guy call me from ocean reef florida today never talked to us saw my had never talked to me before saw my listings when we got off the phone he had sent me a picture of he he and his fiance. i knew how they met he sent me a video of the house he's moving down you know building down there because our conversation was sure we talked about the market a little bit but i'm like who are you where are you from tell me about you how old are you how old's your fiance? where'd you meet oh you met through your dog's you know, we got personal really, really fast. And that's why I think he wants to work with me because we just had a great conversation because wow. I want to know about him, you know, more so than anything else. And then, yeah, well, I'll set up an MLS from for him. He's coming out in March. We'll get to know each other better that way. But a lot of my cold calls like that, and I do, I am getting a lot more of them through listings. I'm just like you, I'm very transparent and I'm just kind of trying to reach in, and I want to know who you are. Cause I also want to know if I want to work with you, you know, you, in this business. Exactly. You give you people know, a lot. You better want to. Yeah. Because you better, you better you're be tight at the hip as long as you're tied at the hip. So you better have a connection. So I'm looking for that connection for me as much as I think that person who's sanitizing me is looking for that connection for them. So I go personal just like that. I do. Wow. And then so we, are
0: The finish. but Sorry.
1: No, no. And then, I mean, we work our way back around to the business piece. Yeah.
0: It's just your love of people and connecting. That's really what it is. And I'm going to add to that to everybody listening is when you do that, a lot of people can do that. Don't do well. You're positioning yourself in the background as a professional, you know, your stuff and you have the positioning, the marketing out there that the minute they Google your name, I love her. And wow, look at what she's, look at what she's doing. Wow. Look at who she is. Wow. Look at what she's accomplished.
1: And that's the self-promotion piece, you know, but you can do it. You can do it in the background, right? Because who's not on social media, what home search doesn't start online. Right. So you do that in the background. And then in the foreground, I'm just focused on you. And then you're going to come back to me and say, okay, tell me about Castle Pines Village. And then boom, I'm going to switch to my, you know, my professional mode, you know, But I'm always focused on you as a person first, always. Question number
0: two. Okay. Book. Is there a book we have to listen to or read that changed your career or life? Besides Ninja Selling. I was going to say. Yeah, we've had no. Oh, my life. That one. There's
1: that one. We got that one off. Now give us another one. Well, what's hard for me, you know, I don't read a lot. I don't read any sales books. I don't read any how to win friends and influence people. I've never read any of that. I was actually an English literature major in college. So all I did in college was read novels and write papers, you know? So for me to say a life-changing book, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I have that life-changing book. I do like to read and I love where those, you know, going into different places, universes, past people's lives. Um, and I love to write, but I honestly can't, it's true. There's no one book where I said, oh my gosh, I read that and it was life-changing.
0: So I'll give you one. And then I'll okay. ask you another question to get an a, a answer out of you, but it won't be a book. Don't worry. Okay. Never split the difference by Chris Voss for negotiating, especially it's because. you loves- uh,
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I, I, I heard him on a podcast. He's no, got we'll kind of like a Jersey book. accent, right? Yeah. He did hostage negotiation right? Yeah. Something? But
0: he didn't have that much of a Jersey accent. Okay.
1: But I, I did hear him on a podcast.
0: Yeah. But hopefully it was mine. It, or no, it, it could have yeah, been. It was. No, okay. kidding. <laughs> He's been on a lot of podcasts. I'm getting. He has been on our podcast, Ew. but the book, the book is like unbelievable. Okay. The book is like unbelievable, but back to influence in your career. What's a, Who's a person that has oh, done that? Oh, my
1: mom, film? my mother. So my mom was a, teacher and a principal. And, you know, back in the day when you could either maybe be a teacher or a homemaker, right. Cause she's in her eighties. <clears throat> she would, she only, she only retired like three years ago. You know, I think when she was 77, you know, she's a workaholic, but she is incredibly good at what she does. I mean, excellent. She could run any company anywhere, but she always channeled her skills into the poorest neighborhoods. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. So because of her successes, test scores, raising, kids coming to school, higher graduation rates, you know, they always try to put her in the best schools. She's like, no, I I want the worst schools. You know, I want the schools that need my help the most. And so I watched her, you know, she's smart, tough, tenacious, hardworking. I mean, she's got so many amazing qualities. And I watched her take those and put them where they were needed most So honestly, I would say my biggest role model is my mom and her work ethic and the way she treats people. She would treat someone hosing down the driveway the same way she would treat the superintendent of her school system. And she, you know, instilled those values in us as kids giving back, you know, so I mean, I can't even hesitate. Like, so my mom's going to cry if she watches this. It's definitely my mom. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Wow. Put, she just put herself where she served people best.
1: Yeah, she did. And she, and she never always took herself people. out of that place. Among she people. never took herself out of that space, even though she could have gone to easier schools, higher performing schools. You know, she always was grounded where people needed her the most and worked really hard to help them do better. And we would, I'd go back and visit her when I was 40 years old and we'd be in the mall and some, adult would walk up to her. That was one of her students happened over and over and over. And they'd say, Mrs. Logan, it's David Williams. You may not remember me, but I remember you and you made such an, um, an impression on me. And you, I mean, I, I watched it happen over and over and it just, it was so impactful, you know, to see her put her passion toward the people who needed her the most. So yeah, definitely my, my biggest role model. That's awesome.
0: I mean, like you're gonna make me cry. Yeah, it it was amazing. Be like, oh, here comes another one of your students. You know, it was pretty cool. All right, last question is, as we as we close our conversation today, and if somebody said they're gonna forget everything, y'all talked about, except one thing, what is that one thing you would say you you would hope we would all take away from our conversation today?
1: Um, I think the way the path to success is to be yourself, to be genuine and to focus on people, you know, as long as in this business, as long as you're focused on people and you care about them and you're touching them and you're listening to them, the business will come, you know, you've just, and and you've got to follow a process. I mean, when I talk about writing notes and touching 50 people, this doesn't happen by accident, you know? So I think it's twofold for me. It's making sure that I'm in flow and following a process because everything's a numbers game. That's kind of the math piece. But then I'm doing it in a way that's indigenous to me and that feels right to me because for me, I got to connect with you. I do. I got to connect with you. I got to know you. And then, and then also, because this is something sounds like, sorry, I'm making this a much longer. No, reason. I love it. If I'm I have, it for you, don't worry. Well, Make yeah, you can just edit me out. If I have a friend who hires me, a friend who hires me, great, let's go. If I have a friend who chooses not to hire me, I don't care. Like there is nothing that's going to get in the way of my friendship. I will not think twice if somebody says, for whatever reason, I'm just not going to do this. Doesn't matter, you know, and I'm going to treat my friend because working with friends is, I think for me, has been a big part of my growth pattern. You know, they're my friend, but they're my client, Right you're my friend and you're not my client. I don't care. You know, I yeah, really do my friend. Care. Yeah. You just have to take the ego out of it and just know that, you know, you're there, you know, in a different way than my mom, but to serve the people who need you and you know, just, I like, I don't know. So I don't know that I answered your question very. Well, you
0: did. Cause that's what would you say to this? If we're going to remember one thing from our interview today, it's find your flow. And in doing that kind of part of the secret ingredient is keeping your ego out of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and find your people, you know, I've been on a lot of college visits lately with all my kids over the last few years. And it's like, who are your people, you know, and if you're in flow with your people and you're focused on them from a personal perspective and it's genuine, the, the, the deals will come, they'll come because at the end of the day, people work with people they like. Right. And Beautifully said. yeah, they do. I mean, they do think about it. Right. And so that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's I think it. You nailed it right there. The yeah, they, they do. People. So if you are around people, you like, if you are around people who like you, if you are touching people, if you're genuine and you're honest and you're real and you're professional and you know what you're doing, you know, it's going to come, it will. And that gets right back to your flow.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. Find your flow. Yeah. Find your people. Yeah. Check your ego at the door because mm-hmm. that'll find your flow. And once you find your flow, it all, out. it all comes. Yeah, it does. Stacy, that was awesome. Everybody It's <laughs> Stacey Chadwick and Castle Pines, Colorado, which is just South of Denver with live Beast international royalty. Stacy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf Podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf Podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com.